All right, let's <laughs> let's do this thing. Here's the intro. Looks like I'm reaching over to kiss you. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steven. This is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. podcast. <laughs> Our first ad was sent to us uh, by Nathaniel Berndecker. Bernecker. Nathaniel Bernecker. Nathaniel Bernecker. I, I feel like I messed up his name and then I corrected it. Uh, this was on Instagram. Yeah, this is a blah car jaw custom guitar from Blackaja. Uh, Blackaja. Blackaja. It's from it's from Lidköping, Sweden. Blackaja. It's a twenty-seven like inch baritone conversion neck pickguard and rewiring of this Urquhart guitar. So I don't. It, I think they're saying that they didn't make the guitar. Ah. Uh, they did a modification to it. Um, but I want to know what's going on with that pick up because that is, uh, it's very different. This is finally, finally a pickup for, uh, generation X. Extre- <laughs> finally, a, a, an extreme pickup, extreme, extreme pickups. Like this is the kind of pickup you throw in your guitar. If you crush monster and, and eat nothing but, uh, Doritos. This is an extreme oh guitar. Gosh. This is so. This is like what's the name of that company that you c- tried to call out and then they reverse called you out? Uh, what? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. The um, was it uh, Ru- Rukongas? Okay, yeah. So some of this is kind of like on that level. So I I yeah. don't under I haven't figured out what this X coil thing is yet. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah. Looking, obviously, it's a pickup. Looking at their Instagram, every everyone should go look them up. B L A K A J A, guitars, Bakaja, Bakaja. Um, really cool looking stuff, like custom pick guards and stuff, and and custom swirly uh, tortoise uh, materials and things, and just wild designs and very very cool looking things. But this pickup is what really is catching our our attention because it isn't in the shape of an X. Going from the bridge of the guitar all the way to the neck heel of the guitar. So that's the thing is this pickup is a Urquhart guitars pickup. Oh, it's so, for that brand. Yeah. So this is a uh, – it's called the X-Coil. It is a uh, four-coil pickup. Uh, so basically there's four coils here. That's you go go in between them with a five way switch. I'm trying to figure out exactly what the heck. So okay, so position one is. Um, oh, I think I get it. Position one is the two neck position coils. Position so you could either two, do you could either do a straight line, going either way, yeah. or you could do a V, or an yep, arrow going either way. Or you could v, do, the, or you could or do you the full do X. Of the full X. Are you looking at it too? No, but once you said, I'm, I'm looking it up. Uh, once oh, okay. you said that, I figured it out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they've got all these X shapes. That's pretty wild. Because yeah. my first thought on this was like, oh man, this it's probably like each arrow shape 
is a single pickup. And that doesn't make any sense because then you have the the high string graduating up to mellower tones. And then once you get to the middle strings, then they start to go back to brighter tones on your low strings. But having it go in a straight line like that or reverse could actually be pretty fun. Like you go in reverse and your your low strings, your your heavy strings, your thick boys are brighter and then they go lower and lower and lower and you get those nice mellow tones from your skinny boy strings. Yeah. Yeah. I could see myself is, having fun with that. This is so screwed. So I'm looking now that this, you know, this started with the with the uh block haha or block jaw. But now I'm looking at all these weird pickups. They have uh, one called the mirror foil. Uh, it says a unique relationship between coil height and width and magnet placement is the key to the tonal p- footprint of the mirror foil. Every coil is wound by hand to match the guitar. Da 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 da. Some other stuff. But the thing with this is the it's um, it's got this uh, part inside of basically like a humbucker sized. It's uh, pickup and inside of it it has a bar magnet going down the middle and then uh slots for pull pieces and so basically if your bar magnet that's running the entire length you find like the output is uh like one of your string output is weaker than you want it to be you just drop another magnet in there into the appropriate slot can you send me a link to that because i'm not seeing it when i search for it Sorry and then their other the one, show. which makes me think of Rukongas, is they have a pickup called the Projectionist. Mm-hmm. It's a string-through pickup. Oh, what? It's a string-through pickup. So it's a pickup. I feel like I've seen this on like other guitars, but maybe, maybe not. Uh, it's a pickup that the coil is... So normally your coil... Uh, is like this, right? Like, so if these are your pull pieces and your yeah. coil goes this way, like um, perpendicular, the coil is perpendicular to the strings. This one, the coil is is uh, parallel to the strings. It's tangential to the strings, but it's tangential. It's like flat. So that's on that site too. If you go to the top and, and look at the pickups, you have to put a projection. You have to put a link in the description. Try to remember yeah, to do this that. Is... Oh, is it kind of like a cooter caster kind of pickup where it goes over? Yeah, is that is that how those pickups are though? Yeah, they yeah. Wrap they go... around the, the the wrap around the whole string. Well, I think they just float over, or they're, maybe they're on both sides of it. But yeah, this is that's a wild concept, and this is like a total like space age looking version of that with that very uh, interesting formed white plastic. I mean, yeah, if only we well, could put it on the all, screen. I think it'd be they're so just ABS 3D printed uh, shells, and like the bobbins. I think the bobbins are 3D printed. Uh, but what's really cool that one is because you can see the coil. You can pick your coil color, like the wire color. Right. So that's that's a fun little thing there. Yeah, I've always liked the look of of pickups with uh, with the blue. Um, it's funny because I don't like blue guitars, but I like when you can see. The uh, the coil winds, and it's that blue coil, you know. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to take apart, you know, electronics that would die around the house because just because I was curious, 
And every mm-hmm. every time there was something with a little motor in it, whether it be an old telephone with a ringer or something like that, you find the little electronic motor. And I found that when you open them up, some of them are most of them are like the copper wire yeah. that goes around those. But every now and then you find a blue one or like a green mm-hmm. one. I'm like, whoa, this is different. This is an exciting color. And I had no idea how any of it worked. I just liked taking stuff apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't know any, you know, I'm assuming since these are like Swedish, European guitars are stupid, stupid expensive for us Americans. But I mean, I w- I'd love to mess around with that X pickup now. I mean, I so like up. the project, the projectionist pickup, the one we were just talking about is um, $175. That's not bad for like a pickup that that's what. No, that- I mean, you pay that much for, you know, a boutique like PAF that sounds just yeah. like any other PAF sometimes. Um, the their standard doing, guitar the, starts at eighteen fifty. That's not terrible. That X pickup the with a uh, the full installation kit, which is the pickup plus a pick guard, is three twenty five. Yeah, it's not insane. I mean, if you're really that curious, it's not insane. Yeah. You can get an X coil with a pick guard template for two twenty five. Part of me wants to say like, oh, can, instead of the X pickup, can I just buy a really long pickup like that that doesn't go the other way? But then I realized I would like to have it go the other way, like because re- reverse the the scenario I was explaining earlier, like having it be underneath the bridge side of the high strings and underneath the neck side of the low strings is a really interesting combination too, because it really just it accentuates everything it's like oh your your highs are higher your your lows are lower and your meat your mid your your middles are middle or <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i don't know you got anything oh else you to know say what that? that's why this uh urquart urquart you can do it i don't even i have no idea urquart guitars they're based in vermont oh so it's just the other the um the other Europe. Blacaja is uh Ver- in Vermont. Whatever that country was, <laughs> not Vermont. Um so let's see if we go on this guy's actually you can get um Oh, is this just the neck? No, this is the full um the full you can get like a T style guitar from this guy off of Reverb for fourteen fifty. That's not crazy. So this thing made it across the, the sea to Sweden. And yeah, this company is attacking this wild, wild beast. That's cool, man. Yeah. You learn something new every day about another company that makes something weird that you never heard about. That's the phrase, right? What's that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How are you I doing, was, man? What's new? I was so focused on drinking my water. I didn't hear you. I'm going to drink tequila. Oh, man. I will take super chats. I got shots work tomorrow, so until also, I don't, I don't have any alcohol in my house right now. Until I chicken out, I hurt my back jumping on the trampoline yesterday. So, over the counter like pain meds never do anything for me. So this is me. We need self medicating uh, a little bit. We need to do a podcast with two cameras. One camera is the podcast booth, but every once in a while, one of us just gets up to go jump on the trampoline. So the other cameras, <laughs> the other cameras, just on the trampoline. The thing was, it wasn't jumping that did me in. Um, what it was is my, my two-year-old, she gets in the trampoline, she runs around, and then she wants out. But it's like hmm. this ridiculous, dangerous climb out, off, down a ladder for her to get out. So I grabbed her 
and I poked half my body out the trampoline and bent all the way over to place her on the ground from the trampoline. So basically fold myself in half. Right. And threw my back out that way. You know, hyperextending downwards. You got to lift with your knees. I just got to be like once I just got to close the door and like once you're in you're in. You can't you can't leave until the other person yeah. is dead. <laughs> oh, you have a, you have a safety net on your trampoline? Yeah, you got to. <laughs> you, what is this? If you didn't what? have a safety net on your trampoline like people would be dead already. Like this is why the, would be this dead. is why uh this is why the globe is overpopulated because <laughs> we've got safety nets around trampolines. <laughs> No, like God. seriously, like Henry would be dead right now if I didn't have a net around that trampoline. Yeah, right. <laughs> He'd be swimming in your brother's pool. <laughs> no, I like full send him. Like uh, I jump right next to him and then I pull my legs up really fast and it shoots him like six feet up in the air. Oh, dang. And if he gets going the wrong direction, he flies into that safety net. Like he bounces yeah. off of it. <laughs> or you send him in the right direction. You, he's already there. You jump off. Out of your office window, oh land on the trampoline, send him over into your brother's pool. I would die or the trampoline would <laughs> pop in half if I jumped from upstairs. I don't know. This seems like a great idea. So what's new, Steve? <laughs> um, I got to take my Les Paul out for the first time ever. Oh, really? The yesterday. first time ever? You've had that thing for like a year and a half or something, right? Yeah, that's how often I play guitar in front of people. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's usually behind people. In front, behind, oh. around. <laughs> uh, so I had that, and I had the pedal board that I put together a few weeks ago. So I got a bunch of pedals uh, that I was really excited to use. And then I got it all there and realized, oh, I only need, like, th two sounds, three right. sounds. <laughs> um, I've got too so many literal, sounds here. Literally, it was, like, funny because it's like I've got a, I've got a, a, a reverb. One of the reverbs I have uh, modulates. Actually, I think maybe both of the reverbs I have modulate. Mm. Um, and maybe that's part of the problem is I don't fully understand the pedals that I own. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I was using them. I was using them all. Actually, I, but I actually only ended up using like a drive pedal and a reverb pedal. And then sometimes I switched between the two reverbs on my board. And then sometimes there was a delay, a delay uh, in between you using the two, two reverbs on your board. No, it's like sometimes there was, I used a delay. I really right. want to use the trim, the trim pedal. I have the, mm. this one, the, the parabola. Oh, you're wearing the shirt it. for it. Yeah. I just happened to be wearing the shirt. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was. It's funny because I also have a chorus pedal, and w between the chorus pedal and having either of the reverbs or the delay modulating, I was like, oh, "I think this just sounds like I, I'm not playing in key," <laughs> uh, and which was already a problem because we had one song that was in F sharp major, and another song in E flat major, and oh, I was like fighting to like play both of those songs. Was the leader? Um, Playing a baritone or something? How is it? It's just playing acoustic. I don't know if it was like a flat, if it was flat tuned or. E flat tuned worship leaders. Something has to be done. They have to be stopped. Yeah. the Our, our piano player uh, for the song that was in F sharp 
transpose the keyboard and then we got to the E flat song and she was having the same problems that I was having in finding the key. So she's like, hold on, I need to transpose this too. Like, oh, must be nice. Like I can't, my brain doesn't process capos that way. So like I had a capo on hand, but even if I tried to use it, it's not like I could just be like, oh, I'm going to play D shapes all moved up. Right, more. right. Like, I'm either doing that by nature or I'm not like the capo doesn't help me outside of like open position. So if I'm doing cowboy chords or if I'm doing stuff like all around the, you know, the headstock side where the capo is like, then it helps. Yeah. Otherwise, like if I'm doing stuff and it's like, no dude, you're supposed to be on fret 13, not fret 12. Like the capo doesn't help me at all. Right, right, so, right. <laughs> I've, uh, I mean, so cause I I'm practice. so, I'm so focused on scales and playing lead and stuff like that. I don't even think in the chord shapes. Right. But it's like if I have, if I have to play major keys that are lower than G, hmm. then it's like, well, I guess I'm just gonna be really high up on the neck because I really only like know how to start from like two and a half different like blocks right. <laughs> within my major scales, you know, for church. I mean everything yeah. at church is a major scale. I don't know if everyone knows that, but it's they basically oh, only, the, the, only play the major other... scales. Every now and then you get a minor, but it's very rare. Yeah. Uh, so do, it's like, do you guys play? Do you guys play with tracks? Yeah, we do. So that was the other thing I was fighting on. Is on the we were we had the tracks running for two of the songs, but none of the parts were removed. The keys might have uh, been removed, but I'm not even sure if there were keys. Yeah, that's the worst uh, but... when it's like, oh, we we're going to start with tracks, and that like almost the full track load is on there. It's like there's three guitar parts on the track. Yeah, there's two so, pianos. Um... There's like there's congos and there's drums. And like, there's all these vocals going on. Like, it's not meant for you to run all the tracks. You're supposed to pick like the two things you need to fill it out. You know? Yeah. So, um, here's uh, this is gonna get maybe too a little too genre specific. Uh, but do you guys do the song "Glorious Day"? Probably. I mean, so, wh so what's there's the like content a, a, in it? I'll let you know. <laughs> there's a there's a really like there's a in between like there's in the course there's like a line and then a, a guitar response is just like and sure. that lead guitar part like the track was still there so it's just like i was trying to play but not matching up 100 percent with the track so it just sounds weird and i was like should i tell the sound guy to remove the track and then i was like uh but the track sounds better than me, so <laughs> maybe I should just play something else. Yeah. Well, when there's tracks left in there, I start to mirror the track, and then I start to like, uh, I start to like do alternate stuff against it, and like start to do like harmonies against the right. track. You know. Right. I just I was just like, uh. I was like, well, if that, because that's a pretty high lead part. I was like, I could play like a different lead thing lower as like a counter melody, but um, I don't know. It was just weird. I might just ask him to take it out. Instead, all I did was turn it down really low in my mix. So, <laughs> yeah. like, they'll figure it out. They'll tell what, they'll either turn the track off or tell me to play something else. Do you have cues in your tracks? For that song, we did. I hate the cues. I, I appreciate the in cues. In three, four. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> chorus two chorus. three four <laughs> first two three four oh i hate it outro <laughs> we need that for the podcast <laughs> yeah 
Ryan, new thing. Sponsor. Two, three, four. <laughs> you should just program the entire uh, the entire roadcaster to be the uh, the little sound bar is just like all the transitions are just like just that voice. You know you can get the, you know you can get those in the voices of the people. Oh yeah, um, I know, I know. Yeah, so, so we did. So you we can get like a Phil least, Wickham one. We had the Phil Wickham one. We had the Phil Wickham one, <laughs> and I was like, we're listening to it. I'm like, why does this doesn't sound like the normal robot guy? And they're like, oh yeah, we got the Phil Wickham voice for this. <laughs> It's like <laughs> GPS for your worship set. Can we get yeah. Sam, Samuel L. Jackson? On the oh. Can we get Australian robot voice? If you get Samuel L. Jackson, it's just going to be like, go the fuck to chorus. <laughs> Two, was a three, re- four. That was a really good impression, Steve. He sounded Thanks. just Thanks. like him. Thanks. <laughs> uh, this my, is the my part. Fav- my favorite line in that book is, uh, is, oh uh, you're thirsty? That's bullshit. Go the fuck to sleep. My wife grabbed that book out of like a community like book uh, box thing. Those things. What? Like, yeah, it was just in there. She's like, yeah, I'm going to grab that. <laughs> and I was trying to like read a sanitized version of it to Edith because oh she's like, oh, let, read this book, daddy. And I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be tough. You literally you get to a point and you literally can't sanitize it anymore. Like there's no words left. <laughs> this is the part where you ask me what's new. Oh, Ryan, what's new? Two, uh, three, four. <laughs> so I'm doing something I've never done before. This I, blows my mind that you've never done this I've before. never, ever done it. I've done it the other side of it, but I, I've bought, but I've never, ever sold on eBay. Anything. Well, anything. I've never that's, sold anything on eBay. That's crazy. So I put up a listing. I've got a super chat. Thanks, David Thomas. I love your hamburgers, Dave Thomas. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting up the Firefly. Mm-hmm. It's been up on eBay for two days now, and it's already at like 160 bucks or something stupid. Yeah, uh, I, I saw that. The person and who's are- the person who's got the current high bid on it is local. He he messaged me and was like, "Hey, if I buy it, can we arrange local pickup to save on shipping?" I was like, "Absolutely, that'll save me time and save us money." He's like, "Okay, good." You coronavirus, uh, but who knows? Maybe after this live stream. That'll all be over. It's going to run until Tuesday, so the audio listeners of the podcast might get yeah. a shot at it, too. I heard, it's uh, not I a good guitar. The, Do not buy I this guitar. The shipping is super high. Uh, I don't know, because it maybe fill out... I, I don't like the way it does the shipping options on on uh, on eBay. Like I'm going to go to FedEx, and I'm just going to pay whatever they charge, and I guess whatever right. the estimated is is what someone will pay. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Um but yeah, it's don't buy it because it's a good guitar. Because it's not a good gu- guitar, guys. It's it's got super high sloppy action. It it's never felt fun to me. I think the pickups sound kind of decent. I put an upgraded bridge on it, but that's like a twenty dollar part or whatever. So who cares? Do you have a Do you have the box and everything? Yeah, I have boxes. I mean, so have all, just all these. Measure it. I measured just it. Measure, I measured it measure and it. I put in a custom box size and stuff, and it's still like oh, freaked yeah. the heck out. And then I went back to a default. Did you weigh it? Uh, it said 12 pounds and like, that's about right. Okay. Cause I, I, I started the ad based on a, uh, Epiphone Les Paul special. I was like, that'll be gotcha. close. That'll be close. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of just auto filled some information in. um, so yeah, I, I kind of thought like, here, here's what I'm going to do. I put this in the description. I thought like, ah, maybe I should donate to a charity with the proceeds or something like that. And I thought about it for a while. It's like, 
I need to feed my family. <laughs> I sell stuff. Charities are great, and we, we definitely do charities uh, plenty around here. But uh, if I sell stuff, I need to put money in my pocket. And it's like, I will use every dollar from this purchase for groceries to feed my family, and I will film myself shopping. And if you want, I will thank the seller in the video, and I'll put it up on YouTube. So Ridiculous. I'm going to go for it no matter what this sells for. If it sells for three grand, I'm going to go spend $3,000 at the grocery Ooh, store. Good, good luck with that one. I'm going to load up on so much ramen. <laughs> I think if you went to a standard American grocery store, you could probably buy all of the ramen. I don't even know if they would let you do that right now. They buy might. all the ramen? You well, could probably I'd... buy all of the ramen for like 50 bucks. Here's a... That, you know, some of the some of the ramen is a little fancier. You know what? You go to the Asian markets that we have here in Mira Mesa, and, uh, and now people can stalk me. They can figure out what town I live in. Uh, yeah, because you've never said it before. There's an extreme variety of ramens. Extreme. And I want to. I yeah. actually do want to try them all. There's ones that like highlight, like, oh, these are the spicy boy ones. Yeah. Have oh. you ever watched the spicy noodle challenges? Thanks, Dave Thomas. Um, no, I haven't uh, ventured in to the spicy noodle noodle challenges on the internet. I mean, they're kind of over now. They were they were a thing like four years ago. Oh, okay. Well, if they're over, I won't I won't look into them. Um, I like to I like to take cheap Robin and fix them up. I like to throw some uh, some frozen peas in there and some sliced up carrots. And if I've got, you know, some chicken in the fridge, I'll dice up some chicken and throw it in there. Uh, I look at a pack of cheap ramen and I look at it as a, as a meal starter, you know? You ever do that? No. <laughs> you just, you just eat it dry and then, <laughs> and then pound back the seasoning packet. Yeah. I don't even cook it. <laughs> That's... I'm only. I'm just here for the MSG, man. <laughs> uh, should we do a sponsor? Yeah, this first sponsor is Chase Bliss Audio. Oh, I forgot to do the intro screen. That's what I forgot. Makers of pedals more creative than you are. That's Chase Bliss Audio true. is a company. You know, I saw a thing the other day where someone was like, most overrated or most overpriced or overrated or whatever pedal companies. And somebody mentioned Chase Bliss and I almost, it was like a forum. I don't really care about you saying like, that right now, describing the situation. I started to throw up a little bit. I know. I was like, I was like, are you, I was like, you know what? Like if they're not for you, if they're not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Chase Bliss pedals are for everybody. They're not. If you're a, if you're a micro brain like me, not for you, that's okay. But if you want to do, like, if you want to challenge yourself, if you want to make sounds that you didn't think you could make in a compact pedal, Chase Plus, like, Chase Plus pedals do that. Ask any pedal builder, any of them, even the biggest asshole pedal builder in the world, and say, hey, are Chase Plus... Mike Fuller. <laughs> uh, are Chase Plus pedals underdesigned or overdesigned? They're going to be like... They're overdesigned. Like there's, you open those bad boys up, and the guts are crazy on those. Like you pop yeah. them open, and it's like there's no room left. Like if they couldn't put a USB drive on there, they couldn't put, <laughs> they couldn't put a headphone jack. There's not room left anymore. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an Apple computer. They've got to start get, doing away with CD drives and stuff to make room <laughs> for. All the supposed stuff inside. But yeah. Anyway. Chase <laughs> pedals, not overrated. 
not overpriced. Go check them out. Correctly rated, but priced at a level not everyone can afford. They are a premium pedal, and they are a premium option because they are packed full. Because they're freaking awesome. Yeah, they are bananas. Chase Swiss Audio. They make pedals more creative than you are. Go check them out. You already know about them. Go check them out. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. this, uh, This topic was sent by a person. A topic. Here we go. A person sent it and everything. Uh, trying to find it. Never have I ever. Oh, Levi Main. Levi Main oh, says, yeah. uh, talk about four pedals you can't do without. I mean, to, isn't he a recent uh, inner circular? He is. We'll have to, we'll circle back around to him when we get to housekeeping. Four pedals yeah. you can't live without. Four no, pedals. he's not that recent. Uh, four pedals I can't live without right now. Uh, the current version of my board, the four pedals, I would say I, I could not live without. Oh, you know why I thought he was recent? Because I just sent him a shirt today. Yep. That's fine. <laughs> um, It'll get I there in say, a couple weeks. Um, yeah. It, I mean, know, this is like your Desert Island board. This is like like you you can only have four pedals and they're going to they're gonna be the core of everything that you do forever. Forever. So what do you start with? You well, know? on the one hand, I feel like, you know, I could go to like the cheat code version and get my quiet theory prelude back from Aaron Abubo from the gear slum, because that's two, that's a two in one pedal. There you go. It's a delay and a reverb. Uh, but I guess I'm just thinking about what I currently got. I will tell you that one of the pedals that I did not turn off, I just dialed it in and left it alone yesterday was the L reverb from, uh, bigger pedals mm, yeah the l is I mean, great and it was interesting because like i dialed it in and i was like well I, re- I remember working with that messing around with that one at home and being like this is so subtle like i don't know if it's gonna like get the job done it but it's lushes like you out for though. that it's that perfect for that always on yeah totally it's um, it's a little bit it's a little bit of traditional it's a little bit of modern with like that like modulation thing mixed yeah. through and uh, it's a really nice pedal to have on your board if you're not trying yeah. to go crazy. You know, it's not your go crazy reverb. It, like you right. said, it's you're always on. I really like um, that pedal. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I don't actually have it on my board right now, but I'm gonna go with the Timmy. Okay. Uh, I really like that drive. That's a drive pedal that every time I take it off, it goes back on pretty quickly. Take it off, goes back mm-hmm. on. Um, I am using the one, the pedal I was using yesterday was the, like my pedals K2, uh, which sounded pretty good, but, uh, I could probably swap those, but I think, you know, for, for this, I'm going to say the Timmy, um, for a delay. So I'm just going drive delay reverb for the delay. I'm going to go with the megabyte from Caroline, uh, Caroline guitar company. That thing is kilobyte on steroids basically it's kilobyte with the tap tempo yeah. some longer things it gets a little gets a little crazier it's a pedal that i don't fully understand because uh they use symbols instead of words <laughs> they're cryptic uh i mean i should know i i own so many pedals from them i should know what all the symbols mean <laughs> but i feel like i need to like make a little infographic for myself to be like this always means gain this what you always do, you just close your eyes when you turn the knobs and you pay attention to what's happening and you're like yeah okay it sounded better over there than over there so i'll turn it back over there you know like don't worry about it so much just relax yeah. and then uh the last pedal i'm gonna go with is coming back to uh 
I'm gonna get get a little dirty, dirty, and go with the uh, come back to big ear pedals, the woodcutter. There you go, double so big ear. That's it, my four, yeah. And it's, that's not just because you feel subconscious with uh, self conscious with Grant watching us in the chat, do you? I mean, he's over there right is now. Is he in there? Oh, yeah, he's there over he is. there. How about that? <laughs> Didn't even notice. Didn't even notice. No, no big deal. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen some other stuff he's working on that could get on this list. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm predictable. Everyone knows what I like. I'm going to have Helix, <laughs> Helix, two clones, and then, uh, you know, an Axe Effects, you know, no big deal. Uh, yeah. no. Super, super rich Steve's essential four pedals is just four clone centaurs. <laughs> All in parallel because they're going to four different dumbbells. <laughs> <laughs> with those cables that have to be suspended off the ground by little holders. Oh <laughs> uh, no, for me, I mean, the 50-50, two DoD 250s mm. that I can stack if I want for my light gain and for distortion sound. I mean, it covers a lot of ground for me, and it does the sounds that I like. Obviously, a reverb. I'm going to go with the Surfy Bear. If I'm only going to do four pedals, I might as well commit to the big, big boy that's going to do exactly what I want, um, even though it's a bit of a pain to power and the size is there. But I've only got four pedals. I can put the other three pedals on the Surfy Bear. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love having a tremolo. I just do. Um, tremolo? A tr- tremolo. Tremolo. Tromalo. Tromolo. You got to get that dude, that Russian dude. Uh, now it comes down to the last slot. Mm. Do I go fuzz or do I go delay? I love fuzz. I love delay. This is where it's really hard. I can't fuzz really, delay. I can't really play at church without a delay. Is there a pedal that's fuzz and delay? <laughs> Grant, don't make it for me. It's a bad idea. Uh, um, the, <laughs> Ke- the Keeley Dark Side describes itself as a Neil Vintage uh, fuzz and multi-head tape delay. Yeah, but is it the right kind of fuzz? I think I'm just going to go with delay and just trust the 50-50 stacked both sides to be my high gain. Um. For mm, delay, their fuzz is uh is I th- it says it's a 1977 op amp style, which I think is code for muff. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want a muff delay. I I want at least like a super fuzz delay. Um, man, which delay do I choose? That's tricky when you really think about it. I want tap tempo because it's really like I need that for church. That is like the pedal to, mm-hmm. to get me through church, and the other pedals get me through my surf rock stuff. Um. Man, I, I guess I'm going to go with the Walrus D1 because it covers a lot of ground. I feel like there might, must be something crazier that I should go for. Yeah, maybe a Rubberneck. Ooh. Michael Krause just said one. Rubberneck. That's a good one. Because that'll give me some crazy stuff to get into. And it does like some core, like just analog delay sounds that are good. You know what? No. <laughs> Fourth pedal, the delay slot. I'm just going to do an HX stomp. Oh my gosh. Cheat. <laughs> um, 
No, like a rubber neck would be would be a good pedal. Or something comparable. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not picky with the sound, but I want to be able to go into full oscillation. And the D1 doesn't do that. The D1 doesn't do the spaceship yeah. sounds. So, yeah. Death, Death by Audio has a echo delay. Get you a little bit of verb, a little bit of delay. Oh, but I think it's all, like, built. It's not, like, two. It's not, like, a dual effect. It's a... Uh, it's like a delay that runs through a fuzz Mm. all in the same, like it's like it's serial. It's just one switch. Right. Right. On to the next ad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do, uh, this first little one and let's see if we can move on to a second one in the same slot. We're doing this one. Yeah. Why not? Oh, yeah, that is what I have written down. Drum machine. Drum machine must be stopped. Drum machine is killing black metal. Drum machine is next keyboard slash crutch and is dagger in the back of black metal. Drum machine allows lazy people to start bands. In 80s and early 90s, no one used drum machine. In 80s and 90s, the music was much better than now. When I hear drum machine, I think of a bedroom or an office cubicle. This is not where black metal should be made. Real drums done poor is better than drum machine. Instead of spending $100 on rare eBay vinyl, go buy a used drum kit and learn to play. It's not hard. Drum machine allows the underground to flood with worthless bands. Drum machine makes me want to stop buying demos because every other band uses one. Drum machine sounds like Eurodance music playing in the background of a black metal song. How old is this ad? I don't understand. Drum machine will assimilate. Drum machine is coming for your... For your meatbag family. <laughs> drum machine, drum machine, drum, drum machine, machine, drum machine. <laughs> I want a drum machine and the button is just going to be the vo- a voice saying drum machine and you're going to do a whole song and the snare is going to be, actually you break it up, the snare is drum, the the cymbal is, uh, the no, the kick is... Um, well, it just breaks up the phrase, each syllable into different sounds. So like, no, I'm drum. thinking, I'm thinking like... Sh- what like the Draw. the hi hat has got to be the sheen? So you're just going sheen 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 drum sheen drum sheen drum sheen drum sheen drum. I gotta I gotta move my hands higher. Drum, drum, drum. And then you got the kick. The kick is just mock 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 mock. Then you got double bass. I love it. I love it. I want we have it. to make this pop. I want it. We have I to make this happen. I don't well, know how to program Okay, this. besides the genre of black metal, and besides like just speaking about this ad in particular, in fact, I can even just <laughs> take it off the screen because we've seen it. We, we can just discuss it now. How do you feel about people using drum machines to start their band, to make demos, to work on their projects, and even to, demos, to uh, perform live with them? Demos, that's fine. To start your project in your bedroom, that's fine. Um, to write songs, to practice, you know, all of these things, mm-hmm. fine. I think that's fine. What do you, what do you think about live performance? For live performance, I think if you have it, it's got to be like a quirk. I think if you have it for live performance or even – for your final recording, like this makes it on the album. This is my album. This isn't a demo. This isn't a proof of concept to get a band. This is my album. It has to be like, this can only be a drum machine. Or that. Or if, it, that. if it's filling in for a drummer, 
that what should be a human drummer because you're going for a human drummer sound, just get a human. I, I say put in the effort and get a human drummer. But if you're going yeah. for a, a like this has to be a drum machine sound, and then of course you're going to use a drum machine. Of course you well, are. And, and, I, so the, what, and that's what I mean by like live performance is like if I see a one man band who's got like a drum machine and maybe even like a bunch of weird stuff that he programmed in Ableton or whatever that between every song he like leans over and hits the next button to, to boot the, you know, we were talking about tracks earlier. Right. Right. Uh, and it's just a one man band. Like we, we hosted guys like that at the park gallery, sure, sure. like every once in a while. And, uh, and that's fine. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. It's, you know, my, my thing is like, if you've got, you know, two electric guitar, like you're a black metal band. So you've right. got, you know, two metal guitarists and, uh, a metal bass player and some dude in like uh you know robes and face paint and and then like every between every song the bass player's got to walk over to the back and like push a button to like cue the next song like that's lame yeah <laughs> well there's you know? ways to control that with floorboards and stuff like that sure um sure. And, and and at the same time like i said if it's a gimmick like you said like if right. it's obvious you know, so I would prefer like if someone's trying to do like authentic metal and they're doing that, it's just kind of like, ugh. yeah, I think in All the right, case whatever. of metal, like part of the part of the thing with metal is like you want to show yeah. you, you don't you don't want to see some guy playing to tracks. You want to feel the energy of a full band just just like shaking the room, you know, yeah. but but if you're doing like uh, I can't remember somebody sent. Somebody was like, and when we take these album suggestions, someone sent one that was, you know, because the challenge was like, find something that Steve would really hate. Uh-huh. And, uh, and the, you know, we would talk about how like the problem is, is it's like, it's like uh mutually assured destruction. Right. Because somebody sent one of these like, um, emo goth, whatever. Like, I don't even know what they call themselves. Like, uh, broken side or whatever, where it's just like some dude screaming and it's like, the vocals run through like a bit crusher, uh-huh. but it's, it's like dance. It's like dance floor metal music. If they use a drum machine and don't have a real drummer, like that's fine. Right. I would pref- like their music is stupid and I'm still going to hate it, but I'm not going to hate it because they have fake drums. I'm going to hate it because it's awful. <laughs> but like if Beck uses an old drum machine on a song or something like that, he's going to make it sound like, it's supposed to be there, you know? Like yeah. It's, yeah, it's supposed fine. to be a drum machine. It's not supposed to be, uh, you know, it's not supposed to be a drummer. I don't know. It's, this <clears> stuff <throat> is obvious. I think it's easy to figure out. Uh, next ad. I just realized I didn't grab the copy for this. Uh, so let me go to the group and see if I can find it. Oh, is there a, a copy for this? Yeah. So this is a custom made. I remember at least some of it. If you if you can find it, but this I mean is the a, the story's all in there in the picture. Like you understand. Yeah. This is a it custom did, she made. Didn't, she didn't say yes. Ring with a point two three carat diamond in it. They want. They're saying this is worth two thousand dollars. They're asking for to trade for a two thousand dollar guitar. Um. Here's the problem with this. This isn't worth two thousand dollars. Oh no. Um. I'm not sure what this is worth. I mean, used but, used wedding rings, especially custom jobs like this. I mean, I've never priced them. I, I wouldn't know what to tell you, but I know that this pennies on the dollar. 
like diamonds are not actually uh you know worth what you pay for them you're paying for the experience of of you know going through the marriage process with these things. here we go i i found it i'm you not going to be able it. to post it oh you know what why did my browser I found it too. It's open. For some reason, okay, I was having trouble making it scroll. I figured that I'd try posting this in the musical instrument section to see if anyone's interested. She broke off the engagement, sad face, but my loss is your gain. This is an affordable and beautiful one-of-a-kind engagement ring for that special nature-loving loving woman in your life. The ring is handmade to look like the twig of a branch, symbolizing a glorious and abundant future together. That part seems ironic now, but I keep good humor about it all. Here's the details. 18 karat yellow gold, EGL certified vintage white diamond, 0.28 karat weight. Uh, some other things that I don't really care about. Basically right. included are the European Gemological Laboratory certificate and the two-piece case crafted from walnut. I'm asking $2,000. I'm also willing to trade for American-made guitars and or Canon lenses. I mean, I've got a few kit lenses, but I think they're probably worth in this worth more than this uh it also says it's a vintage diamond is that a selling point do people want vintage diamonds over fresh i think, vi- fresh I think blood vintage diamonds? diamond implies that it's you know not a that it might be yeah it might be like less of a um well usually when i when people talk about having I, I never don't know if I've ever heard them call it vintage diamonds, but it's a thing to have like family heirloom diamonds put into wedding rings and stuff like that. So it's like if if that's what's going on, this guy's trying to sell grandma's diamond in a custom ring or something. I've never heard of anyone going like, oh, yeah, we just bought a vintage diamond. Like it's usually well, something that's being passed down. I think I'm not sure. What I like, I don't know what this certification means. I don't know. It means it's pre-relict. Okay, it's so this says uh, vintage is like the sh- the cut of it is an old European cut. Uh, it's like it sounds like there's certain specific things about it that are um, that denote it as being, I guess, as being vintage. So it's vintage style. Um, so it says it's a it's a shape and cut is old European. The symmetry is poor. Um, but, this which, is a relic ring. This is like. <laughs> well, so that's the thing is I don't know. Um, um, I know vintage diamonds are a thing that people will get, um, will go out of their way to buy specifically um, for certain looks. So vintage diamond, one of the things it says is a vintage diamond is cut to um maximize like uh shape okay and to maximize uh the size whereas a modern diamond is cut to maximize sparkle oh, okay so that's a thing that's different so it's like if you want so a diamond a ring but you don't necessarily want to so that's why you can get like a big a big vintage diamond ring for like way cheaper than oh, okay. um a modern diamond um, that being said, I, I still don't, I mean, the $2,000 is if you really want this specific custom, uh, custom band, because a, I don't think a 0.28 carat weight diamond is like, that might be like a $500 diamond. No, or like uh, a yeah, that's four, it's $300 diamond. Pretty small 0.28. 
I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I, I'm pretty sure the, the diamond I got for my wife was like half a carat. But that was that was a decade ago, so I don't remember. Right. Um, oh, fun. I can tell you. I can tell you that, like, well, so my wife's ringing. Hey, heads up, is, uh... Grant was a jeweler before he was a pedal maker. I huh. actually knew that about that him, and I forgot. He told oh. me about that before. Um. I think my wife's ring was is a 14 carat, but it was less than this. And the diamond is a similar. But again, like you're paying for this custom band. 14 carat? Maybe you don't remember what carats are. Car- well, carat, there's carat. This has both the, I'm saying the gold is 14 carat gold. Oh, okay. Okay. So okay. this is a combination of like carat as a purity measurement for gold and right. carat as a weight. Right, Two different right. carats. Hey everyone, welcome to 60 Cycle Hum, the used jewelry podcast. Uh, what I want to know is this guy saying he would trade for like an American-made instrument. So like, could I offer him my, you know, $700 value Les Paul? Can you sell, like, oh, yeah. sell him a, an older PV? Yeah, I've got a PV I got for free. If I make a trade, does that count? Yeah. It's an American-made guitar. Uh, can you get, sell one of those, what is it, the Gibson M2s or whatever they are? Oh, yeah. But even yeah, then, like, go. I'm looking at this and I'm like, it's only worth 500 bucks if you want yeah. this ring. You yeah. know, if you want this ring, it's the same rules as used guitars that are modded and stuff like that. It's only worth it if you want all those mods. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a very custom thing. It's a, you know, clearly not a showpiece or like a, you know, an example of perfection in jewelry design <laughs> as little as I know about that. Uh, but it's a, it's a piece with character, but people, you got to find the right buyer for character and to yeah. get someone to be like, Oh yeah, I'll trade a $2,000 guitar for that. It's going to be a really big shot in the dark. Good luck to this guy. I mean, I feel, I really feel for him. Like, can you imagine like everything you go through with a relationship to get to the point where you get engaged and then it's over? For yeah. for anyone, guy, girl, any kind of relationship, you're man to be left in the lurch. Like it always sounds like, oh no, oh you bought that diamond and now it's over. It's like you get to that point in your life, the diamond and the ring is the least of your worries. It's like man, I just <laughs> threw away years of my life building a life and a relationship with someone, and now all I got to show for it is this expensive ring that I don't right. want to look at, you know, <laughs> it's the, it's the cherry on the Sunday of, you know, your time and emotional expense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so this is, I, you know, someone in the chat bought rock 47 somewhere out there is a lady with an American strat who will answer this ad. Bam. Romantic Whoa, comedy. Oh, dude. Love connection. She's like, yeah, you can have my guitar, but you got to marry me. And that's the ultimate grift because then she gets to keep the guitar. No, that's the tagline is Mr. Movie Phone. She, 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 she had a guitar. We need Mike she in want, here. She wanted love. He had a ring and just needed a guitar. <laughs> Together, they made beautiful music this summer. <laughs> Bruce Willis. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Tia, Tia and, Leone. And Bruce Willis in a lady suit. 
Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Coming out of retirement, Andy McDowell. <laughs> Winona Ryder. <laughs> We're making a bonkers movie right now. <laughs> Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> and, and special get, guest Forrest Whitaker, but he's young, and you might, and you're not sure if it's actually Forrest Whitaker, Larry no. Fishburne, or Samuel L. Jackson, because we just hired a black guy because teenage, it's the '80s. Teenage CG Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> Captain Marvel CG Sam Jackson, <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf. From the Transformers. And the dog from Airbud. <laughs> Stranger Things 5. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Are you ready to hit this next uh, this next monster? <laughs> I'm gonna die from laughing at this dumb joke that we're making for some reason. Next sponsor, tour gear designs. I need to make a new overlay that doesn't have the photos of the product because I have them here in my hands. Oh, nice! You got yeah, them. I got them. How they small came are they? In. Are they so small? Oh, they're so small. I mean, they're about as small as uh, cables are these days, as far as you know the plugs go. But they're soldered. Yeah. And uh, so crazy. Uh, the, the nice thing is that this part of it is is super short. The little support thing yeah. there. I've had flat cables like this. You can tell it's the flat cable design where that part is still long and stiff and even though it's short it's still kind of flexible and rubbery so you can get really uh you get really flexible with these and put them in between things i posted a picture on instagram of two pedals next to each other and it's like you really can go that thin you can go oh, that wow. close together uh if the pedals are offset the right way from each other that's cool but I, i'm a big fan of patch cables that are flexible uh all the patch cables i tend to use uh, the most have a really flexible cable, and that's what these have. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I like the the, sh the short, flat heads like that. I mean, this is, it's a double win. Um, if you're interested in these at all, you can also get 10% off by using the link in the description of the podcast. Or yeah, type in 60... for orders over $100. Yeah, you, you, a bunch of you spend $100 on patch cables, free ship. Uh, or you just put in 60 cycle hum at checkout for your discount code. Uh, I've got six of them here. They sent me two packs. I'm going to cool. be using these uh, for as long as I still like them. <laughs> Until something better gets invented, I suppose. So for the time being, I mean, these are the best. Yeah, go check them out. Tour Gear Designs. <laughs> Tour Gear Designs, yeah. Uh, thanks for supporting us, Tour Gear Designs. They've, they're also sponsoring uh, my road case videos. So there's that. There you go. There you go. Uh, album review? Yeah, let's do it. This week's album is the Blue Album by Weezer. This was Ryan. This was Ryan's pick because I've been swamped at work and we got a late pick in this week. So uh, he picked one that I actually bought this. Uh, with money? I, I bought this with money from Fry's, I think, for like from the $5 bin. You went to a physical location and bought something with money? Like a long time ago. Well, like a couple years ago. Damn. So I've listened to this album once or twice or five times. What'd you think, Ryan? This is a this is considered a classic album by many, many, many yes. people that are your age. Basically loved and adored by everyone 
our age, give yeah. or give or take five years. You know, yeah. a, a decade's uh, Roll, worth. Rolling, of, in two thousand three, Rolling Stone called this the number two hundred and ninety seven album of all time, and it, they dropped it to two ninety nine in two thousand twelve. Uh, readers of Rolling Stone ranked it the 21st greatest of all time, but somehow that dropped to also 299 in 2012. Um, There's just basically a bunch of publications who are all calling this like in their top albums of all time. Sure, sure. Well, it's clearly very popular and it means a lot to a lot of people. I've, I had, before today, I had never listened to the album. So then, so presumably you off of this album have heard. Uh, Say It Ain't So, Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. Sweater Surf Song, Wax US, Surf Wax USA. Yeah, I mean about half Sweater of it. Song. More than half of yeah. it, probably. I've heard I've heard most of the songs. There were a couple who were like, oh, I've never heard this one. Or um, Surf Wax America, yeah. Uh, here's my take on it. Let's I mean, hear your take, Ryan. Here's my hot take. Uh, I've never been big into Weezer. There's been times where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a fun song. I like, I like Buddy Holly. I think Buddy Holly is the standout song on this album. Mm-hmm. I think it is the best song on the album. And I, I wish the rest of the album sounded like Buddy Holly. <laughs> um, but it's the same thing as like a bunch of other bands that were huge in our social circles and stuff like that. Where it's just like people went so bonkers for it. Right. And we're so like, oh, Part of my personality is that I like Weezer, and that's what makes me different. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's weird. Uh, and so I've always just been like, man, I'm not really interested. in if that's where this leads, I'm not interested. <laughs> uh, you know, the radio songs are okay, I guess. Uh, the sweater song was one of the first things I learned to play on guitar because a friend showed it to me. It's a good thing to know for parties <laughs> and for busking. <laughs> it's a simple yeah, song. Yeah, there you go. I mean, they're all simple songs. And I think that's uh-huh. uh, I think that's the core of what makes Weezer popular and what makes their music a, a winning recipe is that for the most part they're simple. You can learn how to play them, learn how to sing them. You can really uh, you know get attached to them uh-huh. as a young player. Um, but man, a, a lot of the songs on here, just like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> it's just kind of like this sludgy like wait for it to get to the end and there was just wasn't a lot going on and it's i know there's probably people right now they're like oh he's oh he just doesn't get it he just doesn't like stuff that's you know uh you know off center like kind of loosely recorded no that's where i live i love kind of like right i love you know unsteady voices i love uh you know out of tune guitars and things like that i love uh, you know intentionally kind of like off kilter playing. And there's, you know, there's plenty of that in this. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, you know, an album of its time. What was it? It came out like 95. I want to say is my guess, you know, no, (laughs) no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm, but I'm also like intaking some of like the weirdness on the recording, uh, in terms of like the recording history. Okay. It's just totally nuts. Yeah. This, I, this was like a throw in my car and drive around town album. Sure. I listen uh, to it a lot. There's but, definitely some weak spots. Um, I think No One Else is a really hard song to listen to in 2018, 2019, is that 2020. The, I think I had a note on that. Let me find it. 
It's basically that the dude wants a girlfriend who's like ugly, I guess. Or and the, is that the one where he's like, like, I want a girl who never leaves the house? Yeah, it's like kind yeah, of what and weird. I, I think I wrote something down. I wrote so many notes, I can't even find it now. Uh, like, unless that song is like sarcastic or about someone else, it's pretty crappy point of view from that song. Like, yeah. I hope it's not. Which I mean, it the could point be. Of, yeah. Point of the view of, of the person singing it. Uh, Rivers, right, is his name? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote this note. In my garage, why is Weezer not considered a novelty band? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, Surf Wax America is annoying to me, and it, it really is. You don't uh, want to take your board to work? It's it's like... it's like it, To me, it feels like surfsploitation. <laughs> <laughs> like I listen to it, I'm like, I don't want to. This is this doesn't represent how I feel about things. So uh, one of the, one of the things that I I did not ever know because again I never bothered to look at it, but this was what I was what I was so fascinated by on the recording. This part almost makes sense. Um, this album was produced by they originally wanted to uh, self produce, but Geffen Records insisted that they hire a producer. So they hired Rick Ocasek from the Cars. Okay. A thing that you just said is potentially, I think, a thing about them being about Weezer. Why aren't they a novelty act with you know songs like the Sweater Song, Buddy? I mean, the Sweater Song is a novelty song. Buddy Holly is kind of a no- novelty song. Right, right. You I know, mean, Buddy so- Holly. I, I like Buddy Holly because it, it fits deep inside of you know the power pop stuff that I like. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, your tripping daisies, your fountains of Wayne's, uh, dandy Warhols, your Owsley's, you know, Harley, Harvey, Harvey danger, stuff like that. It fits squarely into, uh, this mid nineties genre of alt power pop that I like. And it, it, it really fits there. But then so many of the other songs on the album are just like, this is just a chore for me to get through. Right. And and I think, but I think that like idea of them being a novelty, a lot of the bands you just named, like Fountain Wayne, consi- biggest, biggest yeah. Fountain Wayne's biggest song is a novelty song. Right? right. No, I think a lot of people would listen to those bands, listen to that list, and be like, "Oh, I think of those yeah. as novelty bands." Harvey Danger, yeah, Novel- novelty. You know, Flagpole City, uh, yeah. Um, Local H, like their cover of Toxic, right? Like that's their best song. I wouldn't, gr- um, I wouldn't group them in with these those bands though, because they're pretty pretty deep into just the just grunge like yeah. i'm talking about kind of like a power pop sort of that's fair uh the band i thought of it with the with a power pop connection actually was cheap trick sure sure no i th- uh, I, th- I think it, i think it would make a ton of sense for weezer to tour with cheap trick like that cheap trick sense. might be or weezer might be like the 90s version of cheap trick i could see that like they kind of just last forever they they won't and they're kind of like the kind of like fake nerd aesthetic um the so anyway the i never got to the thing on the recording the rick okasics thing um who okay apparently they originally wanted to record all these songs on the neck pickup uh so you want to talk about slowing it down you're already saying that you you know you felt like this album was trudging through imagine if all of the guitars were on the neck pickup instead of the bridge pickup (laughs) like how much like right right uh boomier they would be and just probably sounding slower the other thing that's that was interesting is uh um the Matt Sharp and Rivers Cuomo insisted 
on banning reverb. So there's apparently no reverb on this album. How dare they? And <laughs> all of the, and the guitars, all of the chord work on guitars is downstrokes. Yeah, I can see that. So uh, uh, conceptual- stuff, like, stuff like that doesn't bother me. Like if, if well, the thing is, is is apparently according to their engineer, the concept. And I'm just again, re- I'm reading Wikipedia. Um, they wanted to treat guitar, the guitars and the bass as a single ten-string instrument. Yeah, I could get that. Which is like, okay. Yeah. Um, that being said, like I, I never thought about the idea. I'm still stuck on this idea of Weezer as a novel. They're the novelty band that won't go away. Sure. Sweater song, Buddy Holly. Say it ain't so is not a novelty song. I have uh, a note tr- for I have a note for saying it so. S- say it. I said, uh, "Say it ain't so." Always made me feel gross. The mood of it makes me feel like I need a shower. No idea what the lyrics are about. I try to ignore it every time it's on. I think if that's how you feel when you hear that song, then the song is succeeding at being what the song is about. Okay. I mean, it's it's just like the mood of it and the way it progresses. And kind of just the the vocal characteristics of it. It's like, it's the same way I feel about Margaritaville. Like, it just Mm. makes me feel creepy, even though other people love it. You know, there's something about the the timber of the thing. I don't know, like the the mood of it, the soul of it. Say it ain't so as this weird swingy thing, but like, it's also kind of like this like proto, um... I realize, like, historically, this isn't going to necessarily make sense, but it's almost like lyrically and the way the whole thing flows, it's almost like this proto-emo. Here's the thing. And, I, and the, the reason thing. I say that doesn't make sense is because emo, like, you know, p- the punk roots of emo already existed. Right. But- like, so many of our friends and so many of, like, people in, in my friend groups uh, back in the 90s and early 2000s and whatnot were like, oh, yeah, I'm super big into emo. I'm super big into Weezer. I listen to it. I'm like, this doesn't sound anything like the other stuff that you're calling emo. So, right. To me, it sounds like those other bands that I mentioned. It sounds like your Fountains of Wayne's. It sounds like your Owsley's. Like it's, it's very, yeah. to me, it's a very yeah. specific mid '90s subgenre of mm-hmm. poppy alt rock. Um, and then they're like, oh yeah, this is this is like peak emo or whatever. I'm like, I don't think you guys understand the genres that you say you like. There's a weird thing with. Weezer in particular because there's so much like that 50s, 60s aesthetic in Weezer that also kind of got picked up by um, – and also just the simple like when it wasn't, you know, Rivers Cuomo wearing dorky glasses and a sweater. Uh, I say tor- like I'm wearing freaking plastic rim glasses right now. Um, that a lot of like – like like us emo associated bands picked up on or you know just the the fitted the fitted jean look that eventually evolved into the ultra tight like let me steal some jeans from my mom look um in like the mid 2000s like it, there is kind of this evolution in terms of uh, aesthetic but yeah musically it's it's definitely not as strong especially when you know thinking again like I'm just I'm stuck on this stupid thing you said about them being a novelty band and going down. <laughs> Hashpipe Hash Pipe is a novelty song. Hash Pipe is Beverly a novelty Hills song. is a novelty Beverly song. Beverly Hills is a novelty song. Uh, uh, what is that? The Island in the Sun one? It's a novelty song. 
sure. Uh, Keep fishing is a novelty song. Like they're they have. And songs I'm not in. I'm not dissing on. No- I love stuff no, I that, that rides into that novelty novelty territory. And often like the, that that label that people put on things like oh this is novelty music is they're just saying like it's it's not taking itself self dead serious and it's yeah. fun. Like I love presidents of the United States of America. Yeah, they're all novelty songs. And they're squarely, uh, what people say about them is like novelty music that isn't funny. And I think that's an apt way to describe a lot of this kind of music is it's it's novelty because it's, maybe it's kind of tongue in cheek, but it's not like, ha ha, here's a, here's a weird owl song. It's like, you know, what if, what if we didn't take ourselves so seriously, but we made songs that were kind of, you know, fun. Uh, and right. people go like, "Oh, something's fun and not serious, and it's not seriously fun. It must be. It must be novelty, you know." So, well, I, and I think that's kind of like the thing that's tricky with Weezer is Rivers Cuomo is like takes is known for taking himself way too seriously. Um, but then it's also like, is he? does he take himself way too seriously and that means he's taking this music too seriously or is he just really serious about making really not serious music and it's it's kind of becomes that whole discussion about you know the dudes in blink 182 are all like 50 years old now right uh why the hell are they still singing about high school and their girlfriends and whatever you know right well here's the thing like well, like, I said that jokingly, but Mark Hoppus is actually 48 years old. Yeah, you got close. Uh, here's the thing. It's like you can take your music extremely seriously, but your output is fun, loose, seems like lighthearted stuff to everyone else. But you take writing and producing that kind of material very seriously and finding yeah. that recipe. Uh, it's like, you know, my freaking demo videos are very lighthearted and loose and, and, you know, seem very off the cuff and whatnot. And a lot of times they are, but that's because I intentionally do that. It's, it's, I take it very seriously, uh, keeping my vague sense of consistency (laughs) across the brand of stuff that I do. And it's the same sort of thing. It's like weird Al isn't sitting there trying to write a masterpiece, serious, right. You know, like rock opera and joke songs comes out. Yeah. No, no, he is intentionally working very hard to make parody songs and yeah. and, 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 part and of polka what... polka medleys and stuff like that. Like he is working his ass off as a professional to have yeah. professional output doing those things. And what he and you know his output on that is like ex- you know it's extremely high production value. Yes, yes, you absolutely. Know. For Weird Al, Weird Al takes his production value extremely seriously. Like it's no joke. Um, so yeah, any more thoughts on Weezer? I mean, you love him, right? You love Weezer, or you like him? I, I mean, I'll listen to him. You listen I, to I, him. I, I own this album, but I have only owned it for like two years. Okay, but so it wasn't like a huge thing for you as you were no. a kid starting to play guitar because this came out ninety five, I think, and that, that means you were. 10 it was pre me playing guitar yeah i mean it was uh, just I was thinking 94 for some reason yeah uh, it was released in 94 oh, my associate my association of weezer for years was um uh 
my association of, of Weezer for years was the freaking uh, video that was used by Microsoft to promote Windows 95. Oh, really? Yeah, it, on the Windows 95 install disk in order to – or not to promote Windows 95, but to promote like uh, Windows Media Player. Uh-huh. There was a, a, a digital – you know, w, I don't know, WMV, I guess, of the Buddy Holly music video. Yeah. And I just stumbled upon it because, like, I didn't really watch, like, MTV or VH1. It was, like, not a thing in my house. Uh, so I, I – and I didn't listen to rock music, like, really as a kid, like, modern rock music. So that was my exposure to Weezer. And that was, like – and I knew what Happy Days was. Right, right. I, like, uh, But I didn't know anything else about this band. And yeah, I only it, knew that song. In 94, I was 13. And right around then, I started picking up acoustic guitar and – a sweater song was on the radio. Buddy Holly was big on the radio. Uh, so these were right there when I started playing guitar for sure. And I just never latched onto the band. Like I, I gravitated more towards, I guess the harder rocking stuff at the time. And then I got into the power pop stuff later in the nineties, so much later, like 97 yeah. Yeah. when you're a kid, it's like three years later feels like, like forever. Like, Oh, three years ago, I was a different person. Now it's like three years ago. That was last week. Uh, but yeah, it took me a while to get into that style of music. And by, by the time I did, I think maybe Weezer was just overplayed to me. So I wasn't right. interested. Right. And I think it is, it is one of those things. It's like the people, I get it. The people who adore Weezer, the, the people who are mega fans and like, Oh, just automatically awesome album, like flawless mm-hmm. album in my collection of top 10 albums or, or whatever, I think there might be a certain aspect of what you were listening to when you hit puberty. Sure. And sure. it connected with you when you went through a very important time in your life. And so it just got, I mean, I can't, I'm not do, saying this as a critique because there's plenty of dumb music I listen to. That is that for me. That is like, there, I was, huge... I was listening to this when I was, when I, when I got my first pubes. And so now right. it's like, to me, it's the most important music in the world. Uh, so there's a, I read a, I read a paper like, you know, I, I don't think it was necessarily a research paper, but it was just sure. an article piece. An or, editorialization. You know, it was a philosophy paper. Um, uh, or basically the premise was whatever was your whatever you listened to when you were 14 is a music that you will listen to for the rest of your life. Mm. Like well, at least you'll go all, you'll go like, back to it. It'll be your frame of reference. Yeah, that will always be like the music that you gravitate back towards. That will always be, you know, the music that you want to go back to check out at some sure. point like that's you know, when people when people say hey man what kind of music are you into that's going to be your first instinct maybe that's not what you say but you know what people are going to say well what, what do you listen to i mean wh- when was i 14 1998 right i mean that's 1998 was about like when i stopped when i was like trying to figure out music and what i wanted to listen to and probably first like had my first crack at like some uh some like pop punk some actual like pop punk albums so i mean that certainly holds true for me um i'm actually let me see yeah like one of the first pop punk albums i ever bought came out in 1998 
Mm. When I was 14. Wow. There we go. There you go. There I'm you looking go. for the description for there it is. I found it. Uh, I forgot to grab the description again. If there is a description for what? Well, I guess it was for... a, a very short description. Are you uh, trying to do a? Are you trying to do an ad, Ryan? Yeah, let's transition to the ad. Oh, you oh, want to do pro- housekeeping? Problem. We have to do housekeeping. Do the housekeeping. No, we, we have a lot of housekeeping. Do a lot of housekeeping, Steve. All right. Uh, I want to thank everyone who's listening, everyone in the live chat. Thanks, guys, for coming out tonight. Everyone who's going to listen to the podcast later this week online. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have to read this comment. The only, From Colmcoss, Colm the only way Weezer could be any worse is if they were Coldplay. The only way Corona-19 could be any worse is if it were Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> man do you remember when do you do you, you maybe that's uh we're, we may have to listen to Coldplay for a future oh for god future one. did you ever listen to early cold play yeah did you ever listen to any cold play yeah did you well, listen I did to not Coldplay? i ha- i i have a story if we covered cold play i'll tell my story i feel like at some point we should probably do either parachutes or rush of blood to the head all right. Anyway, uh, housekeeping. Thanks everyone for supporting the show, for listening. Ryan just uh, pulled the trigger. Um, if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle humcast. Uh, this week I want to thank uh, at the $10 level. There's a whole, there are five, $10, four $10 level people, man. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, no last name given. Lazy Cat Rye, which I think is a username, so that's confusing. Justin Setters and Shane Murray. Uh, Justin Setters, I think, had supported us before. I'm not sure at what level. Shane Murray is actually an upgrade. So thanks, guys, Damn. for uh, upgrading or joining or supporting at the $10 level. Uh, at the $5 level is a Persa Patrick. Um, so all of these people's names so far are going to be getting something from us someday. If I ever find enough time in my life to actually ship some packages. Have you ever shipped the stuff that I nope. dropped off at your house? Uh, so nope. today I finally ordered the shirts for our bragging rights level supporters, the $25 level, level supporters, which I still can't believe exists and people do that. But I sent, uh, I ordered three shirts today. So if you're at that level, uh, yeah. it's on, they're on the their $25 way. level. And then last but certainly not least is Brent Pembleton at the $1 level. And as we always say, you know, if everyone who listened to the show donated at least a dollar, it'd be a game changer. Damn. I mean, getting any donation is a game changer. Let's be honest. Exactly. uh, Uh, I still can't believe anyone gives money for this. At all. Ridiculous thing. The sponsors, the Patreons, it's all incredible to me that you all uh, enjoy this enough. (laughs) Listen to Steve and I ramble. Uh, about the stuff we would have talked about. Anyways. You should send Grant a shirt too. He's at the $25 level before you made this rule. Okay, Grant, I'll send you a shirt. It was not even a rule. It's just a suggestion I make. Like, oh, can well, we send shirts to people. I know. Yeah, it's a thing um, now. Now I got to do it. So yeah, like I said, patreon.com slash 60 cycle humcast is the best way uh, if you want to financially contribute to the show. This last ad was sent by Michael Krause, who has been in the chat all night waiting for us to get to his ad. Um, <laughs> are you, I don't, do you have the description? I do. Beautiful custom made guitar needs to be completed and should be refretted. The guitar is $250 and the extra parts shown are $50. Do not send me offers. 
Ah, beautiful, it says. Needs to be completed and refretted. Interesting design choices here. Um, Some of them are things that you might see on high-end guitars, like the two-tone headstock. Mm-hmm. I, I think actually the, uh, the 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 second tone on the headstock, this like a gold plate kind of look, is actually kind of very fun. Um, the sh- the rest of it is hot garbage, right? I the, I I kind of it, I kind of do like though. The I like gold, the neck. I like the back I, of the neck thing going. I kind on of like the reason. gold checkerboard on the edges. Of, this is like a semi-hollow style guitar. Uh, roughly, uh, I like the gold checkerboard over the dark wood on the sides of the guitar, and then, hmm. interestingly, from about I want to say the fourth fret through the D string tuner on the back of the neck headstock area is more of that gold and dark checkerboard. Yeah, really interesting design decision there. I would like to see that done more on a guitar that is not this guitar because this thing looks like a mutated dolphin. How much was this? 250. Hmm. Like guys, go if you're listening to the audio podcast, go click on the links for the imager. I think we did a decent job describing the other stuff going on this week, but you really got to look at this one to understand what what we're talking about. Cause I, I words fail me. Like, how do you even start to describe this? It's, it's bizarre. This is the sort of thing like you would see at the County fair woodworking exhibit. Oh, that's exactly what this is. But then it's, it's also nutty. Like there's wires hanging out, but there's only, I only count four. I, or I count the six wires. It has, I guess it's, Oh, it has three on, switches. I guess it's all on-off switches because it has slots for three pickups, which look like mini bucker size. Yeah. Even though the middle one is slightly bigger, but it doesn't look like humbucker size. The, the the execution on everything just looks really rough, really really rough. And the body itself is a bizarre shape. Like the the top horn area is a single cut sort of thing, and it starts off normal. And then at the waist, it just shoots way off into this lumpy fin mm-hmm. shape to a point where the tail strap button would be. Not like a rounded point. Then rounds about to what would be a normal shape for a semi-hollow lower bout where the controls would be. It's some, somewhat normal there. But then the bottom horn going towards the neck is this fat, sloppy dong. <laughs> Butt Rock 47 says, it's also the shape of a melted gummy bear. Yeah, it's totally got a melted gummy sort of thing going on. How do you... This is a semi-hollow, which means you had to cut that shape out twice for this guitar, for the top and the back. How do you cut this out once and go, you know what? I like it. I'm committed. I'm going to cut out this shape again. <laughs> and That's not a even high not, level of dedication to a strange not, thing. Not even to mention there's sound holes in the arm area, the armrest area, that are three crescent moons 
Like, I think that could work on another guitar, but because this thing is so bonkers, like, it it's just, it adds on more to the pile. And there's no bridge hardware on this, no tailpiece hardware on it. It says yeah. it needs it's to be... because you need a trapeze, man. It says it needs to be this, refretted. It's begging for a Bigsby. It doesn't have any tuners. It doesn't have a nut. This thing is a non-starter. This is not a project starter. This is done. It's definitely yeah. Robbie H Love says it's definitely worth two fifty, but he wrote it as two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> uh, yeah, for firewood, I think you might be able to salvage the pots and the switches out of this, and that's about that's worth about two dollars oh, fifty bucks. Yes, yeah, give me too much work. Does it jazz? Asks Sassy Cat. It probably does jazz, but in a very improvisational, experimental sort of way. All right, I say don't buy it. What do you say, Steve? Smash it. $250. No way. $250. Super Rich Steve goes there, and he intentionally misinterprets the price. Gives the guy $250,000, and then uses this guitar to smash the guy's car. (laughs) And then lights the car and the guitar on fire. And the house. And the house. I don't hold the builder responsible for this. I hold the woodshop teacher responsible. How could you let something progress this far in your class? I don't care how much your student paid you for the class. You allowed this abomination to be born into the world. And you should know better. Your student doesn't know any better. And it's your job to guide him. You failed as a teacher. So (laughs) strong words. All right. uh, Tell us about the song. And then we'll do a hangout here on the live. Yeah, this week's song was sent by Ian Ferguson. He just says, end of show offering. Sorry, I ran out of goats. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what that means, but I'm scared. <laughs> I think he's Ian's the one who sent us a song about goats last time. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, this is called E-Effect. E-Effect. All right. Uh, enjoy it, podcast listeners and uh, YouTube viewers, live viewers. We're going to hang out. All right. Hold on. I'm listening to it. Oh my gosh. 